Welcome to Dads with Nerdy Ambitions. I'm your host, Steve Pugh, and with me as always is my brother, Joe. Joe, how are you doing today? I'm pretty good. How are you? I'm doing great. On this episode, we are talking about gaming and nerd culture. And to say, today we decided to get uh, two gurus with us, the uh, the brothers from Classic Gaming Brothers, Seth and Zach. Zach, Seth, how are you guys doing today? I, I'm doing great. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't think I've ever been referred to as a guru. I was going to say. But, yeah. uh, I mean, <laughs> that's, a, that's a fun it's fun terminology. Uh, I guess we are um, experts in our field of I, I wouldn't even call us that. <laughs> I think when it comes to uh, anybody who's not us, you probably know more. Um, you know way more about right, gaming yeah, than yeah. I. <laughs> so you guys have a podcast show called Classic Gaming Brothers, a, a, which is witfully about two brothers who have a podcast about gaming. As, as is the description on your uh, the Apple. Uh, so you... Tell us a little bit about this podcast. Uh, what are you guys doing? It what's what is the show about? Sure, uh, I could take that away first. Yeah, uh, since I'm the older brother, I gain seniority. Uh, <laughs> so uh, many years ago, um, I would say uh, two now. Um, Zach and I wanted to do something that was uh, collaborative, and wanted to do something about something that we were both passionate about, and that was video games. And so in order to do that, we wanted to maybe do like a YouTube channel or become YouTube famous that way. And uh, I was in school at the time and said, you know, when I get out, maybe we should do something. Let's start spitballing ideas. And well, so it eventually just that YouTube, that original YouTube idea became just, uh, well, just be, just uh, it became a podcast. And as we thought it would be easier to just do uh, voices instead of uh, video. And we were also reminded from the advice that our mother said, and that was that our uh, our faces were just made for radio. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Stephen has that same problem. So. <laughs> I, I don't know what he's talking about. I, I think I'm gorgeous. <laughs> certainly a problem that we, we both possess. And... Uh, <laughs> Uh, so th we've been doing that. We decided at a whim that we were going to do a weekly cadence, and uh, we've actually did it. We did a whole year of being a weekly podcast, which is tough. Um, but in regards to what we talk about, um, we talk about generally, we talk about kind of what we want to talk about at the time, at the moment. Um, we talk about video games, though. It always has to be about video games. And generally, the video games are classic video games but to us uh so we uh i was born in 87 and zach was born in 94 93 93 yep. i do six off of seven is how i kind of get to it and i i can't do math sometimes he just doesn't remember my uh, birthday that's the truth <laughs> i know the day and that's all that matters <laughs> um so we have kind of two uh almost a like a half a generation between us and that gives us two kind of ideas in regards to what is classic games as it were and we we talk about those games especially so ones that resonate with us in our memories i think is the best way to say it but there's no rhyme or reason to what may be the topic next week <laughs> i don't think we we ever uh established that we no. we talk about games hardware um 
we've talked about um, genres. We've talked about uh, specific um, companies that did a lot of classic games. We've talked, and we do uh, we do uh, kind of a reoccurring segment on arcade cabinets. Those kind of like OG classic games. Uh, Zach, is there anything that I missed that you want to? No, I mean, talk you, about? you pretty much hit the nail nail on the the head there. Um, yeah, it's we 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 talk about stuff that might seem odd to some people. I mean, we've talked about things like the Philips CDI or or games like Space Kids, um, but those are games and systems and such that we we find classic or worth talking about or just interesting. So really, it's if it's the topic that we think is worth doing an episode on, we we're gonna do an episode on it. Okay. That's awesome. Um, so you guys, like I said, we, Joey and I, we're really not the experts in this field and by no such sense and consider you much better than us in this. Uh, so can you kind of describe to us what gaming culture is? Yeah, I, I'll take it away, uh, Seth. So um, it, gaming culture to me is this uh, term that I feel just has so many different meanings to it. Um, but but personally, I feel it's it's not just being into video games it's also keeping up with video games so and by that i also don't necessarily mean like building the fastest computer or buying the most expensive rig or newest system to run modern like the most recent game but if you if you want to be a part of gaming culture i think you have to be able to learn to adapt and expand your idea on what a video game is so especially when you draw the line at video game as art um one thing I'd like to say is if the first thing you think of when someone says the word video game is like Pac-Man, then you might need to try some other games. <laughs> like, for example, <laughs> uh, Papers, Please, or Dear Esther, or Gone Home, which uh, these are video games that also tell stories, and they tell stories in such a meaningful, impactful way. And I think kind of understanding that is what gaming culture is, at least to me. See, I, I view uh, gaming culture kind of split. Right. So you you have a a culture of people that view video gaming and gaming as an entertainment outlet and solely an entertainment outlet. So they buy video games because they gain entertainment out of them as and consume them as media such as television or movies. It's a it's a temp it's a reprieve from from life as we know it, um, which in today's day and age we all need and where and then. On the other side is uh, there's a culture of gaming as a competition and as a sportified event. Um, so you have gaming that's more of uh, the, a competitive outlet, which is like an esport. And I don't, I would not necessarily say. I mean, I'm sure that esport, the esport players are having fun, but they're probably having as about as much fun as a football players having playing football. At the end of the day, it's still a job for them, and they still want to. Their objective is not necessarily to enjoy their time playing the game, but the objective is to win. Hmm. And everybody who is watching it want them to win as well. They don't, and the medium to get there just happens to be a game. So I think that's kind of where gaming culture splits like zachary and i we love playing games we're not good at playing games we just love playing them we would never compete competitively i which i i mean i have competed competitively i was bad at it but um we we love video games as a as a medium 
And with this whole nature of like YouTube and Twitch and live, the concept of like live gaming um, has developed this whole culture of people who uh, watch it as in watch you could even watch people playing video games as entertainment which is not something that like is it's like new to me not like super new because it a twitch debuted in 2011 and so that's like what nine years now but like for me 2011 i was out of college and working in adult life like so it wasn't like so adaption for me was slow to get to like twitch and be like what are people doing why are people watching people play games but you have this whole yeah you have this whole culture of like streamers now which is weird yeah and and, and that's still something i'm wrapping my mind around because it is i i guess the best term for me it's it's i don't want to say it's alien but it's definitely unusual however you can counter watching people game with the same concept as why you would watch somebody play soccer baseball or any other major league sporting event instead of playing it there's i would argue there's no real difference it's just it's there it is a different a a a section of this culture that is gaming i I agree with you definitely on that that it is an art there is the professional there is the casual and it is just this unique culture that is very very new yeah I think also there's, um, at least with Twitch, I think a lot of the audience are people that are in kind of my age demographic. So I was born in 93, you know, I'm in my nearing my late twenties. Um, and when I was growing up, one of my ways of experiencing video games was by watching them. I mean, Seth played a lot of PC games that I never personally played until I was older and, and had my own computer to do so. But I remember watching Seth play games like Star Trek Elite Force or playing, um, the, the uh, different Dungeons and Dragons games that we had or, or space kids, you know, these were games that I I never really even played when I was a kid, but I always watched my brother played them and I enjoyed them vicariously through him. So I think that's one of the reasons why Twitch kind of hit it off with this audience of, of people that are kind of more in my age bracket, because a lot of us grew up in a very similar way. We, we watched our older siblings play video games instead of us playing them. You know, we had the second controller unplugged and we were handed the controller until play along. You know? Always unplug the controller. <laughs> Joe, you were born in 93. Uh, how do you, do you agree? Yeah, I, I mean, I would say growing up, my experience is a little bit different. Um, I, I hit a spurt through like middle school where that was my peak of playing games but yeah like like you were saying i watched you play silent hill for the longest time or oh my uh, god I, I, eternal darkness until i finally got the courage to actually pick up a controller <laughs> but yeah yeah more than anything by the way that's one of the games you should review by the way eternal oh, yeah. darkness eternal darkness is a great game we'll, we'll, we'll take it down we'll put it, we'll put it in our uh, we'll put it in our list <laughs> we, we um then you guys will be like in like it'll be like April and you'll be like there this is still going on and now they're doing the so let me ask you guys this yeah no no it's same way I have a list of things Um, what I I know this seems like a silly question to ask but it it, why are games so popular like it's it is a virtual entity that we pay anywhere 
what the what does the average Xbox game go for? Like what sixty nine ninety nine seventy bucks? Yeah, up to you can pay one hundred and twenty dollars. You're paying for this virtual thing. What makes these things so popular that we're can we're going? Yep, that's a price I'm willing to pay. And well, and I think the games being popular and the price they're willing to pay can be entirely two different segments here. Uh, since the true MSRP of a game, I I don't believe in true like MSRP. I always believe that there's like a, a real price to something. Mm. Um, but in regards to why games are so popular, I think well, I I think video games as a medium you have really came into their forefront. Um, what what say you say like. Pac-Man, it was like the 80s, right? Early 80s yeah. when you're really seeing like the Rays. Like you, you have games in the late 70s, but like early 80s is when you really see like um, the, the rise of not only arcade um, arcades, but also like in-home entertainment. And, you know, you, you have the Atari 2600. And, yeah. But you have those people who were uh, – perhaps children during that time are now adults and still like it and now as an adult if i you know if you have a kid you're introducing that kid to gaming um so where previously like with my like so we actually had our dad on our show and he was he was born in 57 his parents weren't going to introduce him to gaming like <laughs> what gaming was there and he but they eventually got a uh, a Sears and Roebuck uh, in-home entertainment system and he grew up on that so when when we were old enough he our father introduced us to video gaming mm. and as the video gaming has become such a, a multi-billion dollar industry that it's it's going to get the support from the industry, right? So there's money to be made and there's money to be had. And there's a consumer base that's ready to take it because they are being raised on it. And so I think the inevitability of it being popular is is just the writing on the wall. I mean, if you got dollars to spend, there's money to be, you know, there's people that are willing to buy that product and get all, and then you can dominate um, kind of like the airwaves with uh, your messaging of like you know all I'm sure you guys have heard about Cyberpunk 2077. Oh yeah, and CD Projekt Red is not a poor company, <laughs> <laughs> and because they did The Witcher, which I'm also sure you've heard of. Um, uh, something about tossing a coin to them. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> there might be a Netflix series, <laughs> and. <laughs> These companies aren't, they're not, they're not the baby companies that they were 20, 30 years ago. Like, or even, I'm sorry, like, I'm, I forget that we're in 2020. They're not the baby companies that they were like 40, 50 years ago. They're like these big powerhouses that go out there and just like dominate the airwaves and develop a property. Like The Witcher is a unique property, right? It's based on some books and people fell in love with it. Honestly, not until, like, I would say the third game. The third game was really, really good. The first two, I think, were good, but they weren't, like, earth-shattering good. Um, but the third one really took off. And somewhere along the lines, they were like, you know, 
we could probably make this a Netflix series <laughs> because now we have private streaming services that aren't beholden to um, the advertising dollars. So, like, Netflix is not out there schlepping their products to the big advertisers to make sure that a TV show is going to get bought, right? Which is what all the other broadcast companies do. Mm. They go out there and every they do sweeps weeks. That's what sweeps weeks is. It's selling your TV shows to advertisers to see if they're willing to run ads during these um, sweep weeks. It's actually a fun story um, that I think stems a little bit to what, I tangent sometimes, but um, you don't say. Yeah. Well, so soap operas are a thing, right? People are aware of soap operas. Um, they they're like the daytime stories that your grandmother watched, right? Um, maybe like the world turns and like these well-known television series. They're called soap operas because Procter and Gamble ran Tide detergent ads. I didn't know that. So thus they're soap operas because Procter & Gamble produced them. That's a fun fact. Yeah. So if you look up to like look up some of the older uh, soap operas to see who the producers are, Procter & Gamble's there. So really soap operas were just a long commercial to sell you Tide. (laughs) (laughs) And who are they targeting? The, the women who were at home during the time in the 50s, right? If they were like, we need to sell them Tide detergent. Here we go. It's That's how soap operas are. I think that's now you can, that, that still plays out today. So like you're going to see a domination. And that's why and that's why I think video games, especially now if you look and you're like, wow, video games are pretty popular. Yeah, they're an interactive medium that this audience that everybody wants, the younger generation love. So of course they're going to be popular. <laughs> I, I love that you mentioned the the Witcher because that is a great segue into what my next uh, question was going to be is like is, is we kind of look at gaming and nerd culture with this which is what this episode is about nerd culture and gaming it is if not a symbiotic if it's not a symbiotic relationship it is definitely uh, gaming is a branch of nerd culture uh, you you see how these things intertwine and meld and benefit each other case in point you you have a book and i think witcher was written over in russia ukraine it's it's i think it's definitely eastern european uh but yeah yeah. it's it was this book that was turned into a game that was turned into a movie and you know he definitely got some of his the, his inspiration from uh, fantasy folklore from the area, as well as when they made the game. You look at it, how the progression is done in the Witcher games. It is on the progression style that comes from Dungeons and Dragons. So all these different entities grab each other and they meld it into something that people become a fan of and you get this fandom from it. And I think that's really neat how that works out. Uh, you, you see it all over. You really, really do. Um, and since you were talking about the big entities out there, the powerhouses, let's look at blizzard. You know, they have what Starcraft, they have world of Warcraft, which actually just re they've been out. World of Warcraft has been out for about what? 15 years. 
uh, since 2005 yeah. is when it yeah. came out. Yeah, so 15 years, and they're still launching new material. Yeah, they actually just um, i i did I did look up that um, the Witcher was uh, a it, it was uh, in Poland. Poland is where Poland. It came from. Oh, okay. So yep. yeah, still in that area. Yeah. Yep. Um, and yeah, Blizzard. Yeah, 2005 was when World of Warcraft launched. I was actually um, I was in uh, the original the original 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 launch. So I played the original launch. Um, I wasn't. I didn't. I didn't take to it. Um, I think I played a character that got to like level twenty or something, and then I just kind of stopped. I I changed games pretty regularly, <laughs> which is nice for having for your show because it, it forces you to, and I'm sure it <laughs> really forces you to try new different and different games. Yeah, uh, <laughs> but but they do. They Blizzard has a lot of different things. They have Overwatch, uh, like I said, Warcraft, World of Warcraft. You have Starcraft. They yeah, have over. Diablo. Oh my God. Yeah. They have all these different and, and they have a buffet of choices of their types of games. They don't do one set type. It's, I don't want to knock Bethesda a little bit here, but Fallout and Skyrim are essentially the same game. It's just, you yeah, want it in no. fantasy. Yeah. And they, Blizzard has definitely broaden the spectrum of what they do and it's so popular that they have these conventions they have blizzcon and i looked it up and like they sell out within four minutes to go to this convention people come from all over the world uh i was watching a video on it because i've never been to any of these things and guys were like yeah we're from australia we stayed up and we're clicking refresh 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 and this is our second year of coming it's almost impossible to get to and people cosplay at these things they make these intricate co costumes that are just phenomenal. Uh, they have toys, comics, movies, World of Warcraft. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, Diablo has tons of stuff. It, it's phenomenal. I was just going to say, I think one of the things that Blizzard does really well, and the reason why they've had such success to this, is that when when you look at Blizzard games, they, they really listen to to how their fan base grows. And I think that's one of the things that is why BlizzCon always sells out so well. Because taking Fallout and Skyrim as, a, as an example, if, if uh, Bethesda did like Skyrim Con, I can't imagine it would sell out as big as, as BlizzCon would solely because the people playing Fallout and Skyrim are the same people, but the people playing Overwatch, World of Warcraft, Starcraft, and Diablo, those are all different people. Those are all different sub-fandoms within the fandom of Blizzard. So they, they, they appeal to certain groups of people. I mean, I have people that I know that are huge fans of Overwatch, never played World of Warcraft. <laughs> like people that play World of Warcraft, never played, Blizzard, never played uh, Diablo or the older Warcraft games. I think it's... Uh, kind of a testament to blizzard's kind of strength with their own fandom and that kind of connection they develop with these fans to to draw in such huge crowds they yeah. they, they seem to be very aggressive with their stuff too like i, I was case in point we we're just talking about world of warcraft like for 15 years they've been coming up more or less every couple of years some new expansion granted they just did a re-release of the classic for nostalgia but diablo is constantly they they're on diablo 3 or about well, they, to start diablo yeah, 4 diablo 4 just got released or uh, the trailers released 
so good of a trailer too. A real Holy Diablo cow. four, yeah. Not, yeah. The, uh, not the fake Diablo four that <laughs> right that that came out and people were mad. The mobile game that they did or whatever. <laughs> oh, I didn't know I, about that one. Yeah, there was a Diablo game that came out that they announced at they at a BlizzCon. I think they announced it at. They brought everybody into a big room and they're like, "Here it is. This is the big Diablo news." And they were like, Diablo mobile game. And people <laughs> erupted. They were so mad that Diablo had uh, Blizzard, uh, Blizzard Activision, to be fair, uh, just said, hey, hey, oh, we're, we're just kidding. Like, um, we're going to make a real Diablo 4. But apparently that was not what we were really working at. And people were mad. And I think that's also – so I think there's a, a big difference between, like, Blizzard pre-acquisition or – pre-merger of blizzard and activision and post blizzard and activision merger i think that with their post merger i think that they are more concerned about this game as a service type concept where you get these you dole out content possibly for money over time to get people to come back to the same game over and over again like overwatch is a good example where um you get these uh, new characters that get doled out and there's like i think diablo has the same like there's like seasons where you have like different seasons that you can start and stop right. playing and you can get different stuff during those seasons and once you once in those seasons once they end you can't get that stuff that you wanted so it gets that like uh that they play on the fomo as it were the, the fear of missing out and inspire people to go back to play overwatch again because you don't want to miss what you could have gotten during that time that you could have played um and you know that they also play into the i know overwatch has has always had loot boxes and you can buy loot boxes and they're all vanity objects so they're okay but you're still like tantalizing uh, people with getting these like this gambling chance and which is when i hear like people say like games as a service i think of your you're going to probably give away the game for free, which I believe Overwatch is free to play now. Um, but you're going to have like these microtransactions kind of built in. And as as a, a more classic gamer, I, I'm always kind of like, uh, you know, like I'm always like very uh, on the fence about. Um, I, I mean, I played Overwatch. It's I've played a lot of it. It was it was it was good. I don't play it regularly anymore. Um, like again, like I said, I have an issue with playing games for any real length of time. But um, it it's definitely, I think, part of that. Um, there's some cultures, there's some culture in the gaming world where people are obsessed with like Call of Duty or Fortnite or um, these games where they feel like they dominate and they also tell there's more of a service right like i need my fortnite skins i need my fortnite i need to get the next achievement or the next event that happens i need to be there you know they're going to do something special and it takes over um it, there's nothing wrong with it it's just not necessarily my cup of tea hmm. um when i'm when i'm looking to play a particular game i i want a, a story equivalent to the money that i'm paying for Right. So like I want to be when I like from the time that I turn the game on to the time I turn it off, I want to go. That was a good time spent. <laughs> the effects that nerd culture has had on games and you have games like Fortnite and you do have games like Call of Duty where they take the latest. Fortnite is 
notorious, notorious for taking whatever the latest dance craze is, whatever the the movies are coming out. Like when Avengers Affinity came out, they had all of the Avengers on there. Um, I, I think, think they, they just, just released recent- a Mando skin, too. Yep. Yeah. Oh, yeah, they did. They just yeah. released the Mandalorian skins. They did the Justice League. Rise of yeah. Skywalker, where the, the, the message from Palpatine that apparently the whole galaxy heard in the Star Wars canon first played in Fortnite. <laughs> like, <laughs> the message of Palpatine's return first played in Fortnite, <laughs> like, of all places. I, I didn't even know um, that. Oh, and the the Star Wars, so I play the Star Wars: The Old Republic, which is an MMO. Um, it's also free to play, which is great. Um, Zach and I actually just started today. We started an, a brand new, fresh playthrough of The Old Republic, which is fun. Um, <laughs> but uh, in it, you can buy the Mando armor, because which I mean, I get it's owned. It's a Star Wars property, so like. They, if anyone who should get Mando armor in it, it should be the people who are playing in the Star Wars world. But yeah, I I no doubt that Fortnite will co-opt that because they, I I am I'm not a fan of uh, Epic Games. Um, I don't support, but I I'm I'm not a fan. I'm I don't mind Fortnite. I played the beta of Fortnite. I don't. I'm not like an anti-Fortniter, and there's people out there who are gamers who are just do not like Fortnite and are very anti-Fortnite, which is fine. You can be however you wish to be, but I I don't particularly like the company that makes it because of their because Epic Games does a lot of third-party timed exclusives, mm. which are dumb. <laughs> like a first-party exclusive is fine if you're Blizzard. And you want to make Overwatch exclusive to the Blizzard launcher, that's fine. I don't like that's okay. It's your game. You can do that. But if you are a, a game company like Steam or Epic and you pay somebody off to be delayed released on other <laughs> systems like Steam, that's like a, a that's just hindering the market. Like you're just hurting it. Like, why are you doing that? Like, you're forcing me, if I want to play this game that I may have a lot of uh, attachment to, you're forcing me to go get it from you. And that's like, any time that you force a consumer to do something is just, you're not going to breed good sentiment. Now, correct me if I'm wrong here, but Microsoft's notorious for that too. The And play, uh, Sony, they both have done stuff like that for their consoles where they time delay. Oh, other cons- yes, and see, that's where, the, so that's where we're going to, I'm not a console gamer. And is that, <laughs> so, is that the reason why? <laughs> that's, that's so. At the end of the day, like I understand, you can release an Epic, Xbox only exclusive game or a timed Xbox exclusive game. Um, it, my, I'm, I still, I don't like that. Um, if it's a first party, I don't have that as big of an issue. So, like Nintendo being like, all Nintendo games are going to be only on the Switch. Like, okay, like that, then if I want to play enough of them, I'll buy a Switch. Um, if the same thing with Sony, I actually bought a PS3 because there were enough PlayStation exclusives that, funny enough, have made it to their PC just in the last couple of years. <laughs> um, that I went out and bought a PS3, and I said, you know, it's fine. Like I'll I'll do this, but I feel like it's a little different for me when it's on my same computer. Yeah, You're I get literally it. Literally gating the product away from me with a piece of software, 
and like it's just it's it'd be like if you turned on your xbox and they were like oh would you like to download this game you have to also plug in your playstation (laughs) (laughs) to to this xbox then you could download it like why why are you doing that it's frustrates me but i I can um, i see that (laughs) but yeah yeah so it does do that uh um what i was trying to get at is how the culture is affected (laughs) i did not mean to open up that can of worms i do apologize (laughs) it's fine no it's 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 i'm i'm a a can opener i I see that i i just if i just go to a can like if you just have a can on the shelf i'm just gonna open it so Zach, I'm gonna I'm gonna put this question to you, buddy. Yeah. Uh, Nazi <laughs> zombies in Call of Duty—that's pretty cool, right? Walking Dead. Um, so yes, Call of Duty—they uh, eventually started. I want to say it was—it wasn't—it was after Modern Warfare. Um, I, they actually started doing Nazi zombies yeah, because World War, of yeah. yeah, World yeah. at War. Yes, they introduced Nazi zombies because of the fandom behind the walking dead which was yeah. robert kirkman's comic a phenomenal comic i, I loved it show it eh, kind of died down nazi zombies it was kind of fun for a little bit but then it even actually that game inspired horrible 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 movies that were literally about nazi zombies yeah yeah no i and i think <laughs> it's like like that as an example um i, I think it's really fascinating to see how things evolve because of what's popular these days, you know? So um, Seth and I were talking about this in a, in a previous episode. I don't remember what actually, Oh, we were talking about freedom force and we were talking about like video games about superheroes and how in the early days, back in the nineties, when you played a video game, if it was about a superhero, it sucked. It was like, that was it. Like there was no such thing as a good superhero game because all the video games that were about superheroes were bad. And then all of a sudden the MCU happened and suddenly we have good superhero games (laughs) or like the Star Wars games. I mean, the Star Wars games were mixed for such a long period of time. And now we have like triple A Star Wars titles, which arguably aren't great. But still, they, they have such like strong push into making them so quality. And I think there's this bit of interesting kind of move in, in nerd culture as a whole. And that is that nerd culture is cool. You know, back when I was growing up, uh, me and my friends like Star Wars and me and my friends like comic books. But we were the weird ones. You know, we weren't the cool kids sitting with all the other cool people talking about Star Wars. In fact when the cooler kids in my classes would talk about star Wars, they got it all wrong. So like, you know, I was like, they don't even know what they're talking about. So I I feel like in the, in the last maybe 10 or so years, especially since Disney got involved with so many things such as Marvel and, and star Wars, there's been kind of this shift in that. Now these IPs, these are, they're cool. And I think that has helped fuel like it fuels into the gaming world and then the gaming world fuels back into itself and and, and that fuels into the into pop culture um i think when it comes to something like taking Fortnite as it is an example i remember i was at work uh, a while ago and my uh one of my one of my hr managers brought in her daughter 
uh, she used to come in every now and then during the lunch breaks and she sat in a corner and I saw on her laptop, she was playing Fortnite, And it was like, I was like, I had just heard of Fortnite. I'm like, what is happening? <laughs> it's like, and everyone's playing it. You know, people are playing it on their cell phones. Um, I, I think it's just fascinating that the, the way the culture bleeds into itself is, is so indicative of, of the fads going on right now. You know, once I think once Newberry comics kind of became the cool place to go, that's when everything started being the cool thing to do. And, and that's, that's been what it's been. It's yeah. kind of interesting that you, you, you say that because we talked on, we touched on this on back in our episode zero, uh, where we talked about like how X-Men was the start of the golden age of nerdum, and which is ironic into it is it was actually the fall of of comics when this happened so Mm. marvel and marvel yeah no marvel was on the brink of like complete collapse and this is where they started selling off all their product and they said hey we need to make money or we're not going to live and they split it off uh sony got the spider-verse uh fox got all of the x-men universe and then Eventually, Disney started picking up and they picked up everything else bit, 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 bit by here. And Sony said or Fox said, hey, let's make an X-Men movie. Let's see what happens. And if you go back and watch it now, it's not that great of a movie. It's not bad. Yeah. It's not bad. <laughs> oh, yeah. But, but when it first came out and then you look at the Tobey Maguire uh, Spider-Man's, they weren't the greatest movies, but it was the first time in a long time that we had a higher budget, if not a high budget superhero movie yeah uh before that you had like you had captain marvels you had spider-mans you had fantastic fours but they were old they were done mostly in the 70s and 80s like uh you had the hulk which was a tv show and the first higher budget i don't know if you know this the first higher budget uh marvel movie that was ever made was howard the duck (laughs) that doesn't surprise me (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it was creepy, weird, and did terrible. Then the next ones were Blade, but nobody really knew that they were comic based. Yeah, and yeah. right. And then you got into uh, uh, the X Men movies, and that's where it launched off. And this is when this our golden age, I would argue, started for nerd culture and gaming culture because I, I it's obviously had a huge impact on your guys' universe as well. Yeah, and I think like um like 2008 when uh iron man came out i think oh, it was like the, huge, I think yeah. that was like the the football spike like you know like the you know like like they were rising and then iron man hit that was kind of like the field goal you know it was just like just brought it home and then that's kind of like where marvel was like hey we could be we could we could do this again and we can make money and they started becoming the powerhouse that they are today um I think there was – oh, I was actually – I think a lot of this to do is with, like, nostalgia, really. Um, and you say, like, you went back and, you you know, if you look back at the original X-Men movie that came out, it's not, like, the best of movies and stuff like that. But uh, – so right now I'm reading Silver Age X-Men, and they are rough. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I'm reading, like, I'm at X-Men – I think I'm at X-Men 10, right? So I've read one through nine. That's how I get to the number 10. But uh, like I, the first, the X-Men one is just, 
there is so much like it wouldn't fly today like there's so much sexism there's like literally 80 percent of the comic is either them saying what they're doing in the panel <laughs> <laughs> or attempting to like get into gene gray's bed like that's <laughs> the silver age x-men comics like right there in a nutshell and but to so looking back with so but I have twenty twenty eyes. I don't have nineteen sixty nine eyes, right? I don't have those eyes that were people were reading at that time and being like, What is this? This is great. And um You guys also I, think the, I was gonna say you have to also oh, look ahead. at your age group when you're reading this. Right. This was meant for kids back in the day right. and not so much Specifically us. Specifically boys. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yeah, no, this is a huge difference. Young boys, yeah, <laughs> versus um, grown ass guys. But, uh. um, but it's, it's a great point you bring up with uh, look your comics. Uh, going back to games, why are retro games making such a huge comeback right now? I think it's the same answer. Yeah. I think it's nostalgia. Yeah, I, I think nostalgia is what fuels the the money. The, it fuels the interest. And and. I'm a bit of a retro game collector and um, I've noticed, you know, when I, when I was, when I was younger, I got into retro game collecting because I had trouble getting rid of my crap. You know, <laughs> I, I still had the Sega Genesis that I had when I was a kid and the games that came with it. And I, I just like, I had trouble parting away with it. So I decided to buy more Sega Genesis games and thus became a collector, you know, and that's kind of how it fueled into it. But um, I think with the advent of things like YouTube, especially helped fuel this kind of growing retro game enthusiasm. I mean, early 2000s, when YouTube first launched, one of the first people to pop on it was the angry video game nerd, then known as the angry Nintendo nerd. And his whole shtick, which was, you know, targeting not necessarily my demographic because I was probably too young to be watching him, you know, drop the F-bomb every couple of minutes. But, you know, he was targeting people who grew up playing the original Nintendo and were frustrated playing the games. And it's like now he knows the right words to say when you're playing those games. You know, back then you would just like say darn and crush your controller because you didn't know the <laughs> F-word yet, you know? Um, and, and, and Or if you did, you didn't say it in front of your mom. Exactly, exactly. You know, I mean, I, I got I got grounded once because I said Knuckles the Echidna sucked, but which was true. <laughs> <laughs> and Knuckles does suck. He certainly does. He does, does suck to this day. Um, but uh, I, I think when people are watching, you know, this guy, James Rolfe, do the Angry Video Game Nerd, not only did that inspire this whole new genre of YouTube videos, right? This this angry nerd reviewer, which then kind of span off into Let's Plays and stuff like that. But it also kind of introduced people to these old video games in general. I mean, people who never heard of games like Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde or the Friday the 13th game for the NES now know about these games. And even if a reviewer says this game is bad, people will buy the game. So I own a copy of Friday the 13th, the NES game that I bought when I, at, like after I had watched the Angry Video Game Nerd video because the game was cheap. You know, it was like, I think I bought it for like $1.50, you know, because in the early 2000s, buying retro games was so inexpensive and it was great. And if you wanted a retro game, you could probably pick it up for like a couple of bucks. I, th I have a copy of Bounty Hunter, the game for the GameCube with Django Fett. I got for $3 from... Uh, GameStop when they're liquidating their GameCube uh, stock. Nowadays, you go into 
a retro game store and i think that game goes for like 15 or 20 dollars <laughs> you know it's like the, the, the people who were like like me people who are like me watching these games uh, watching these reviewers when they were young uh, got into that market early and are now these retro collectors and why there's kind of this big push to sell retro collectors new things they're like hey we see you're buying all this old stock you want to buy something new that does the same thing <laughs> you know you want to buy the arcade cabinet that's three hundred dollars so you can play street fighter standing up awkwardly you know <laughs> <laughs> just, so let me ask you this because uh, you definitely hit on the retro game the nostalgia is there but one thing I was always told, and I was always warned about this by going back and like even watching movies and playing things and with whatever that were from my childhood is it's never truly as great as you once thought it was. Like when you yes. look back, you have all these fond memories is this nostalgia is 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 the fruit worth the squeeze there is is the juice worth the squeeze? That's the same. Yeah. Is the juice worth the squeeze when it comes to these retro games? Like, is, Does it still hold up? Yeah, to it, what we perceived. It does for me for some games. So, you know, games that I have a strong nostalgic memory of or games that I remember playing as a kid, I I've gone back and played recently. You know, I've played through Sonic the Hedgehog 2, which was one of the first games I ever played, or um Seth and I during our extra life stream played NBA Jam. I still have such a blast playing those games. I I I I have so much fun playing them. However, comparatively to seth and i during our extra life played toxic crusaders which is a game oh based God, on toxic the, crusader yeah toxic crusaders a game based on the toxic crusaders cartoon based on the toxic avengers lloyd kaufman film from trauma very weird like like taking one of the most violent movies i've ever one of the most gory sex-filled movies Strange i've ever game. seen and turning it into a kid's show weirdest choice but the game is so bad, but I, had, I remember loving it as a kid. I remember Seth and I would sit and play it all the time as a kid, and getting back into it was like, it was like grinding your teeth. <laughs> like, it was just such a bad experience. <laughs> we actually, and we broke the game, I think, did, at one point yeah. in time, and we gave up. We we got to, like, the second or third level, and it got to a point where we, we broke it, and we got fed up with it, and we were just like, nah, we're done. And... But if we were kids, it may have been the one of the three games that we owned. So, like, there wasn't really an option to just get a... I think that's part of it, too. Like, I think that the people who are experienced nostalgia for something now have the money to buy Yes. It. So, like, you're like, oh, I really wish... Like, me now, I, if I'm like, oh, I really wish I had, like, an arcade cabinet with Battletoads in it. Oh my like, god! <laughs> what, what Seven hundred bucks, eight hundred bucks. Like at the end of the day, for some people, it's not a lot of money. <laughs> like, in maybe I have the room. Maybe I I plan on one day filling my basement with a couple of arcade cabinets and pinball machines. Will it be ex expensive? Maybe, but <laughs> I'm an adult. Like it's my money. I could spend it on whatever I want. Where when we were kids, we kind of were we got what we could and looked upon especially if we were kids that didn't have a lot of means um we would look at kids who had everything and were like oh that's a you know that's a fun game i think like i played i played a lot of street fighter 2 turbo with the the game where there's like the car on the dock and you beat it up I, but i only played that at my friend charles's house 
<laughs> like I never played. I mean, we never owned it, and I, but I knew if I went to Charlie's house, I could play it, and because he owned it, and we kind of as kids, you, you, I think you almost made friends that way. Like you know, you like made friends with kids. You're like, ah, if I go to like if I go to Matt's house, I could play racing games. If I go to Charlie's house, I could play fighting games. Like <laughs> you know, just like just pick and choose what game I want to play today. Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> kind of trade games. Trade exactly yeah. where now like my Steam catalogs like I I think I we're pushing like I think I push like oh, close to nine hundred games in my Steam catalog, and that's just Steam. So if you count like GOG and different other w- websites, including physical mediums and the console, I, I my collection of games is it's it's like a Netflix of games, right? It's just like whatever I want to play. What's the flavor of the week? Where where so will i generate nostalgia off of these games Mm, probably not and then that's your guys fandom and that's and that's a really good point too you have a lot of games you probably let's say you spent a dollar that's at least a thousand dollars there in product Mm -hmm. right there and you Mm -hmm. get that worth out of it um me i'm more of a warhead like i do a lot of tabletop gaming Mm -hmm. some of my miniatures cost i'm looking at one right now like before it's not even built it's literally gray plastic goes for about 153 dollars yeah and you go you go oh my god but to me i find that value in it and i go yep no that's worth it and my brother he just bought uh joe what D stuff did you just recently buy um tasha's cauldron of, e- cauldron of everything mm. just got released um uh, icewind dale you know whatever new books that they just released out which yep. so he's do, you, do, you, do yeah. you get the alternate covers uh no not yet i want to but <laughs> Um, and then I was going to get, uh, you just got Strahd's, uh, the, the I did, I picked edition. up the Curse of Strahd, yeah. I want to get revamped. that, but yeah. I'm not willing to drop, you know, 80, 100 bucks on that yet, just quite yet. But he spends, it's, you know, that money on books for, that is, you yep, know, for yeah, the most part, like one-time books, use, but, you know. cards, you know, little figure, you know, miniatures from, like, Hero Forge or something like that. I have, I have the unfortunate joy of being somebody who has spent a lot of stuff on video games but I've also been playing Dungeons and Dragons since I was 12 <laughs> so you got um, a lot of that stuff and I am no longer 12 <laughs> <laughs> and also I'll own the Curse of Strahd's uh, <laughs> book in the in the in the coffin edition right. of all of that um and also own a lot of miniatures I stopped myself at Warhammer I <laughs> that's I plastic friends crack. that are getting it's it unfortunately it like itches that need that i get so i buy D miniatures and paint those um but i have friends that are like they're like come on just get an army it's all right just get an army <laughs> and i'm like maybe in a couple of years maybe in a couple of years but it's very hard to have a lot of hobbies and have a life as well. Fortunately, well, I say fortunately. I don't. I don't have children, so I don't have. Like, <laughs> That's why I became a commission painter. You know, I, it, it's a hobby that pays for itself. So, wife doesn't get mad. Like, where do these come in? I'm like, oh, it's a commission. It's a commission. Oh, okay. That's right. Just turn all your hobbies and monetize all your hobbies. Right? Yeah. You know what the worst part about this podcast is? I'm diming myself out, and my wife, God bless her, she listens to every single episode. So whenever I say, hey, I bought something, she immediately comes like a week later, because this is how we work with the episodes, comes up to me and she goes, you didn't tell me you bought that. And I said, oh, it was, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I know you said you're, you're engaged, right? 
So don't I, we we are yes <laughs> yes okay. So don't let your fiancés listen to these your shows. Oh, <laughs> she's, so, uh, well, Zach, Zachary has uh, Zachary is not engaged. Just me, um, and um, my fiance listened to one episode. I think of the classic Gaming Brothers, maybe two. We have released fifty five. She has not listened <laughs> to all of them. Um, we're in a safe a safe space for that. Um, we also we we don't plan on having children in any future, so um, I'm, I'm kind of I have free reign to spend whatever my there you go, buddy portion of my uh, <laughs> your allowance my money. Yeah, there. Well, we yeah i give i give an amount into the joint and then the rest is is play there you go pay for bills <laughs> <laughs> um so but yeah i i well actually before i forget this i want to mention this because you were talking about toxic avenger you know they're remaking mm. that movie oh, i'm not kidding so guess who's good. playing the toxic avenger who's playing toxic peter dinklage yes yes so good <laughs> oh i'm so excited for that it's like the best news and i've heard I- all day so in another fun fact about this is so toxic avenger was actually filmed in new jersey it was the guy who had written it and had done everything was done it in new jersey just because you know he's a jersey boy uh That's they an want appropriate place to film it. <laughs> um no comment because just in case some jersey fans are listening here uh but they were actually going to get kevin smith to originally direct that because oh, he is nice. from new jersey yeah, yeah yeah he's from uh he, leonardo uh, he turned it down, though, because the budget was too high. He likes to do indie-style stuff, but he turned it down. And I can't remember the person they have doing it. I, I, I knew it, what he did. And he has actually done some really, really good stuff, too. And it's going to drive me crazy. I'll have to look it up later and tell you guys about it. But, yeah, they're redoing Toxic Avenger. And I think the the budget that they have, it's around 24 34 million dollars so it's it's going to be a higher quality yeah, say, toxic yeah. avenger I, th- I, I wanted you to say twenty thousand. i was like please please keep it low because <laughs> that's the kind of movie i want watch peter dinklage in i oh man it's it's what was that one movie he did it was uh, the the kingdom of badastium or something like that oh, yeah, it was yeah, just yeah. absolutely horrid but it's it's peter dinklage so i was like pixels. you know what, i'm gonna watch it he oh oh, oh. so yeah right up your guys alley you're like oh retro gaming movie (laughs) which i don't don't think i've actually seen that's good i haven't either i refuse to watch it oh Oh, i paid for like to see that in the theater yeah no i saw i saw it with i saw it with seth and seth and my our dad um we just like went to go see it and I, i it was one of those movies that i remember leaving the theater being like oh that wasn't as bad and then like by the time we got back oh. to my dad's apartment i was like no that was pretty bad <laughs> you know that was like that was that was not a good movie so we've talked about retro gaming let's look at the future where do you guys see gaming technology going well, um i mean so i think you put in here as a joke when you sent us the questions about oh, yes, the ready player one <laughs> yeah the ready player one is that an at, actual possible future <laughs> and i honestly think that there is a possibility of getting to some type of that type of um, VR. Uh, so I actually, I, so I own a, uh, a Vive, uh, one of the original H, like setups that were, it's pretty good for VR. And the VR is at a point now where it's not like Virtual Boy anymore because like I forget that sometimes where my real body is, which is a weird experience. Um, so like I'll be wearing my VR setup and I'll be like fighting somebody 
and I have actually full on punched my door frame uh, because I was punching something in the game. And then I've also uppercutted a bookcase. Um, to I've drawn like blood has been drawn because I was in so in into the game because the VR was so fluid that I just I was I don't know where I was kind of thing. Um, and so if you combine that with like a, a haptic feedback suit, which I know that they have like alpha versions of out there, you can get to something that is very similar to like that type of ready player one entertainment at least hopefully we're not in like the dystopic world i was gonna say <laughs> thank you for not putting us all in trailers yeah. that are stacked up on yeah. top of each other i grew yeah. in ohio of if all places have the money for it i've seen like rigs where they essentially put you strap you into this like treadmill or something like yeah. that so to, uh, like a little more immersion and stuff like yeah that. the omnidirectionals yeah i watched right, a video yeah. i watched a video of someone playing GTA, GTA 5 VR on an omnidirectional treadmill and at one point when they got into a car it he's attached to a harness and it lowers the harness and puts him in a seating position so he's sitting in the car Jeez. to drive and I was like I was like what is going on but it, I, I looked it up just out of curiosity it was like a $30,000 unit and I was like okay yeah, so if you have the money for it you know yeah sure why not which, which I think we're going to see like a dawn of new arcades right because those are the people a company can go and buy a couple of those and charge per use and in until it becomes consumer ready like i mean in arcades are already i feel like well we're coming back before covid where you had barcades and stuff like mm-hmm. that like i've gone to plenty of barcades and like that's the best way of playing pac-man ever when you're like four <laughs> beers in like you yeah know, it's like that's the time to play well, Pac-Man. also they, there's been this kind of and yeah, it also got the this industry got hit badly with COVID, but there was this kind of growing industry of uh, like VR spaces that you could go to. I mean, I was walking through the mall near where I live, and there was this area that you could just go in and like you rent a room for like an hour, you put on a VR headset, and you kill zombies. Like, <laughs> and there's like a place I think that's like an hour from me that is a small warehouse that you do this, and there's different like game modes that you do. So talking about games, uh, we've gone into the VR about them, of them, we looked at the retro side of it. Uh, so here's an actual question from one of our listeners, and they want to know, do you believe that games can have both negative and positive effects in both fandoms and then in air quotes, the real world? Yeah, that's a that's a tough question, I think, but um, I'll try to tackle it as best as I can. Uh <laughs> I think with any form of media, there is a potential for that media to cause um, desensitization in in individuals. So, for example, when I believe it was when Paul McCartney or no, when John Lennon was assassinated, the uh, assassin, the assassin had a copy of Catcher in the Rye in his pocket. Does reading Catcher in the Rye make you a violent individual who's going to go assassinate a beetle? I don't know. But (laughs) to this individual, it did. Um, Does playing a video game that's violent make you a violent person? I don't know. I I think what it does do is desensitize you to violence. I mean, I think any media will do that. I mean, I think watching the news will do that. And I think that is a troublesome thing. But I think I, I don't necessarily believe video games quote-unquote cause violence i think what they do is they 
make violence pal pal palatable you know they make violence tasty almost you know <laughs> you know they they make violent actions fun but i think maybe not justifiable but like in in the same way that watching die hard is is making violence fun you know or the same way that reading um some action book that i can't think of right now a good title of an action book but you know reading like battle royale, royale yeah like reading battle royale would make would make violence fun you know i think i think all forms of media have some effect on on us as people um whether or not that would cause widespread violence i think is a different question i mean but it, it is something that i think is it should be known i mean i definitely think it's appropriate to have for example ratings on games i think you shouldn't sell a, a kid that is five years old a copy of doom eternal you know <laughs> or, or <laughs> um you know i think i think that would be detrimental to that child's upbringing if you I did don't know. That. that might be the perfect age so, for somebody it, five it, it, just some guy can raise all. in the same in the same regard you know in, in the same regard i wouldn't let i wouldn't let a child read battle royale or go see like the godfather you know you know there there there's limitations on things i think that are appropriate and if you may if you have people playing violent video games at a young age that certainly is going to affect their personality getting older whether or not it's going to make them violent individuals that's a different question i played doom when i was a kid <laughs> I'm, I'm not a violent individual necessarily at least i don't think i, I, I am say, so <laughs> i was gonna say where were you on our first episode we were talking about how i let my nine-year-old watch the thing for the very <laughs> oh, first time gosh. yeah i'm still paying for that one all right like this is uh almost a month and a half later uh, yeah i'm still getting dirty looks and i'm still having to a tr have him assure him that there's nothing out there that is even feasibly like the thing well, to come get us and i have to explain oh it's it's a nightmare and a half well i bring up the yeah. godfather as an example because i remember my first experience with the godfather was um i was i was with my father and i was like playing around on his laptop and he was watching tv and i was sitting at this little like child's table that we had that was uh um you know, it was, it was really short and I was sitting in a little tiny chair and I remember just looking over and it was that final scene where, um, <laughs> where Pacino, you know, orders the hits on all the different mob bosses and everyone's getting like gunned down. <laughs> I was like, what is going on here? I was like, I was probably like five, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so it, did that affect me? I don't know. Maybe. But it's it's such a I think it's such a complicated question because everyone is different. You know, every person, every human being is different. But at the same time, movies are rated PG-13 and R for a reason. Games are rated, you know, T and M for a reason. And I think that's appropriate. I don't I, I'm personally like in favor of ratings on video games. I think if if I think they should be heavier enforced, too. I think like if a mom brings her little kid into a game store into a GameStop, and is like i want to buy gta 5 for my kid who is 10 i'm i don't think that game store employees should be allowed to sell that game to that mom unless that mom understands everything in gta 5 you know the fact that that little kid playing that video game can steal a car and go rob a a, a, a sex worker <laughs> like is that something we need our 10 year olds doing <laughs> so it's it, but again it's a messy topic i think it's it's it, it's definitely um definitely one that you could have a whole podcast on 
Oh yeah, no, that's a it's it, it is a great question. It is a tough question, and I, I I like that how you brought up the you know the rating system and everything. That definitely is a subject there. That is, I I absolutely agree with you. Um, I'm just you know how my mom, our mom used to rate whether or not we could play a game. I'll bring back a uh, oh god, when did the first Tomb Raider come out? That was ninety seven. I think it was. Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure it was something like 97 or 96. Yeah, yeah, something around that time. I remember wanting to play that game, and Cheeks took us embarrassingly to Walmart to go pick up the game and looks at it, and she goes, no, you can't play a game where their boobs are bigger than mine. And that's how she rated games, if the character's boobs were bigger than hers. So, yeah, I like your system way better than my, our mom's. Um, <laughs> Alien, for me, by the way, was my movie that scared the living snot out of me. Uh, 96 for Tomb Raider and Tomb Raider 2 was 97. Okay, so I don't know which one it was, but apparently her boobs were bigger than my mom's, and that's how she does it. Laura Croft's boobs were bigger than a lot of people's for a long period of time. It was an, it was an accident, though. Did you guys know that? No. Right? It was an accident? Yeah, so it was um, when they were designing her, um, they accidentally did that, and the guys who were doing the development were like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah they're like oops <laughs> air quote accident yeah. <laughs> right yeah no but it was a true development it was it was truly an accident that was found it was like too many zeros on the integer uh, that they were using or something yeah. <laughs> it's, it's true yeah, no i think it was i honestly think that was it was the they had too many integers okay so um, that's awesome that's funny uh, yeah uh so let's go ahead and let's let's kind of wrap this up a little bit here. So we're going to go over and we'll start with Seth and then Zach. Start off. What is your favorite game, Seth? Uh, so that's a tough question for me to answer. Um, but I think that I would I'm going to go with my most favorite game that kind of sparked is like the spark of it, and I'm going to say Baldur's Gate Two. Oh, that's a great from, one. The, the original, like, well, not the the sequel to Baldur's Gate 1 on the PC um, was really my first, like, I could say, there's other, you know, like Mass Effect series and all those games I can say, but I think it all de- derives back down to Baldur's Gate 2 is just probably my, one of, like, my favorite game that really gave me my spark, both role-playing creatively and my love of games. All type of games, tabletop role playings, and all that. So I'm going to say Baldur's Gate 2. Zach, your favorite game? Uh, my favorite game is Sonic the Hedgehog 2 for the Sega Genesis. Any reason why? It was one of the first games I've ever played, and it's one of those games that I can go back and enjoy, and I can play over and over again and never get tired playing it. Um, I, I, I never feel bored. I never feel like I'm, I'm just doing something over and over again it's i always have a good time from start to finish um it's also one of those games where i i will catch small things that are like things that i've just missed you know <laughs> like little details maybe in the background of one level versus the next and and see that and be like i've never saw that like the last 30 times i've played this game but now i see it and that's awesome you know <laughs> so i think that's why i like it least favorite game we'll do this again seth so my least favorite game, I'm going to stick to what I've always said in the podcast, is going to be XCOM Enforcer. I do not like it. Um, I think that it was a, a poor uh, a poor attempt at Microprose to capitalize on the XCOM name. 
and it is a it's just a bad game it's 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 a bad stupid i just don't like it i don't like it at all um they i'm a big fan of xcom xcom is one of my other like touch point big big uh important intellectual properties to my life um i owned all of the xcom games that were originally out and have bought the new ones and i'm very glad that they that property got revitalized um xcom enforcer was really the nail that killed the property originally it was just bad it's just a bad game <laughs> i love xcom they're great xcom's a yeah xcom's a great game xcom enforcer is a horrible <laughs> game just so, so i gotta I, I i don't know if you do this but this is a this is a nerdy confession of mine i like to take everybody that i personally know and i like to make them characters in the game so my brother has been on my game and for some reason he always dies anyways. So it's, it's, it's good to know. always kind of funny. He <laughs> sucks no matter what. So, but yeah, I don't know. Do you do that or is that just me and I'm I, weird? I don't, I, I don't, I know people who do that as well too, though. I know a, a few people do that and I've been in part of people's squads before, but, uh, I choose to just have them have whatever names. I don't view them as people i view them as chess pieces <laughs> <laughs> you're all peons. So they die they die yeah i'm also the guy like i when i was playing the og xcom um i would to save on labor i would only buy tanks because you could because tanks would take up a four slot piece and you could get like three tanks so I was like, well, instead of having like 30 guys, I'll just have four tanks and like five guys and I'll just beat the entire mission with just tanks. <laughs> tanks can't go through doors in the original game. So I always had to bring a rocket tank and he would have to blow open buildings so that I could get my other tanks in there because I was like, well, I don't have any people. So I, I just have tanks. So how do I get to this like alien that's like hiding in this warehouse? I'm like, well, I guess I'll just blow everything up <laughs> just yeah i was i was gonna say i was that way with uh age of empires i would be catholics or the i would be the english so i could just be catholic and i would just make priests and convert everything i would not do anything else but go in like nope this is mine now woo-loo-loo, woo-loo-loo. No. and yeah I, that's mine I, 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 yeah i do that pretty much in every game like art like even starcraft i just built battle cruisers or something like that. i'm just i'm just bad like that uh zach yeah. least favorite game um so I love playing bad video games. Um, I, I love playing games like E.T., um, Superman 64, the Sonic the Hedgehog game for the for the 360 and PS3. I love those games because they're a weird form of, like, I don't know. It's, it's, it's like watching a bad movie. But there is one game that I, I, I have played that I didn't enjoy playing, and it was real bad. And that game was a... Um, European exclusive game for the PS2 that I was playing called Frank Herbert's Dune based on the book Dune. Oh my god, I remember that. So, um, not to be confused with Dune 2, the uh, real-time strategy game, or Dune, the um, adventure game, which came out um, like around the same time, but Frank Herbert's Dune is this like like 3d adventure platformer game that's based more on the uh sci-fi television series that the miniseries that they did and it's just 
like it's so bad because it's all it's like unfinished (laughs) it's it's the the my favorite thing that happened was so the game starts you off like right in the middle of the story you're 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 playing as paul atreides and you're already on the planet arrakis and um you've you've your ship has crashed after the the baron harkonnen and his people have have uh you know, committed an act of terror against your people and your father has been killed. Uh, and like, you have to run from one part of the, of the, of the dune to another part. And it's like, you have to, you have to walk with a weird pattern so that the sandworms don't get you. And I was like, what does that mean? So I, so I like walked and then I ran a bit and then I walked a bit and then this massive sandworm just like came out of nowhere and devoured me. And I was like, what am I supposed to do here? <laughs> this is less than 10 minutes into the game. And I can't figure it out. And I just like ended up sprinting to where I needed to go. And my favorite thing though, is in all of the cutscenes, they're all um, in game. They're not pre-rendered and the characters don't have a walk cycle. They only have a run cycle. So like at one point, Paul is supposed to be walking somewhere and he's just in, like in the running pose, but moving slowly. <laughs> it's, it's so good. It is, uh, it is, it is a terrible, terrible game that I did not enjoy playing. Okay. So I think I confused it with the real time strategy game because I remember playing oh, the Dune real time strategy game and I was like, oh, that, that, oh, that no. is an unpleasant game. <laughs> That's a Westwood classic. So, all right. Last question here. Uh, what do you consider? I see. I, I it's, the question is, what do you consider is the hardest game? But I, I, that can be circumstantial too. So, in your time of playing games, what would you consider your most difficult game that was ever for you to play? Uh, so uh, I actually thought about this question. Like, like it's hard to conceptualize that, right? Like, what is the most hardest game? Um, there is a game that I play that is very difficult and that I actually enjoy playing because it, I there is some there is a level of like breakage for me where if a game is too much of a like if it's just being difficult for difficult sake, I tend to not like to play that right like games like Cuphead or mm. Dark Souls are just tough games, but I don't particularly like like just like a challenge type game. I'm like I'm 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 not here to play a game to lose. I'm like I'm just here to play a game to enjoy the story and what's what have you. But there's a game called The Age of Decadence, which is a turn-based role-playing game that's set in a low magic post-apocalyptic fantasy world um where it's very like Roman themed and you can According to them, you can play the game and you could never swing a sword once and you could get through the whole game. Um, it is exceptionally hard. Um, if you screw up one thing, your your character is very uh, weak. So, like, you can get stabbed and then you're just dead. Um, but I've played, like, five hours of the game and I... Like, it's a game that, like, I'll be like, "Mm, maybe I'll play some Age of Decadence because, like, I still don't, like, I'm not scared of it. And I don't, it's not like I don't like it. Um, It's just a tough game. And you have to do everything right. um, Or you, or you, you, you just die. And it's, it's, and you could be like, oh, this was a great run. And then my my assassin died. And that's the end of his story. (laughs) And it's just like, yep that's it like that's that was his life he did those things and then he died and because he got murdered 
Um, so that's that. That I, I would say age, the Age of Decadence is probably the game that I've played that has been the most uh, difficult. Okay, Zach. Um, probably like any classic Mega Man game. Uh, in maybe some of the later Mega Man games, the Mega Man games. <laughs> period. Just Mega Man. Um, Mega Man. <laughs> I, I feel like those games, especially like the maybe first four or five for the NES, where in that time period where having a really hard game was the norm uh so like games like ninja gaiden and stuff like that i know we're we're out at the time and those were exceptionally hard games but i just like i love mega man and i'll play mega man whenever i feel like playing mega man and i i will i i'm so bad at it it's just such a hard game for me and i have no idea why and i think it's just because i like I'm just it, like I'm too used to playing a game like Sonic or Mario where I don't have to think about like a million bullets flying at me from every different direction at one point. And that's Mega Man. <laughs> like Mega Man's just bullets <laughs> everywhere. Just a glutton for punishment. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Gentlemen, thank you so much for being on the show. This is, you know, pretty much everything I had, you know, having you guys on board, uh, Seth and Zach. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, is there anything, guys, you want to add just before we close up? Yeah. So we're we're once once again we're we're the classic gaming brothers. We're Seth and we're Seth. Yes, <laughs> we're I and Zachary. Uh, go through and talk about uh, classic games. Uh, most mostly, we we talk about we we're we're podcast about video games. Um, we generally um, have our our podcast generally run about 45 minutes uh so we try to do for a drive time and we know nobody's driving but in the event that you want something to listen to or to lull you to sleep you can always uh put on some classic gaming brothers we release every sunday we are on um most of the uh listening tools that you can use so um whatever it is you could probably find us um, we also have a, a website, which is Classic Gaming Brothers. Um, we are on Facebook and Instagram, both at Classic Gaming Brothers. Our Twitter is CG Brothers Pod, and we also uh, have a Twitch, which is also Classic Gaming Brothers. So just uh, Google us and find us, listen to us, and enjoy. We we definitely recommend if you are going to be listening to episodes to pick a, an episode further up the chain yeah. they're all like a la carte episodes but we we recommend any episode past four as a, a good starting point because those episodes we 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 learned a lot in the first few <laughs> episodes yeah. uh as have we uh, so yeah yeah it's definitely you listen back to your first episodes and you listen to your new episodes and, and you know as every episode as long as there's knowledge to be learned then then we're happy so we recommend just pick a pick a theme that you're excited about and going and listening to it and uh we'll hope you enjoy it and tell some friends and we we also uh, want to thank the dna podcast um yeah for having yeah, us on it's, it's been a it's been a real blast um we hope to collaborate further with you guys absolutely um and do some more stuff um we we are we we always hope that our expectations are properly lowered. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, so we we appreciate having um, being on and being invited to be on. It was a, a blast. Really love chatting with you guys. Oh yeah, definitely. Uh, these are my favorite episodes to edit because I don't have to just listen to me and him talking. <laughs> As well with us, you can follow us on Twitter at NerdDNAPod, on Instagram at DNA Pod. And on Facebook at Nerd DNA Pod. 
And so I think, yeah, this is a good spot to wrap up. Gentlemen, thank you so much for being on the show today. We definitely have to get you guys on again. Yeah. And anything we can do to help you guys out, by all means. And we will definitely post up all your links that we can, that we'll get from you guys onto the uh, episode link. Um, Perfect. Yeah, I think that's that's it. And Joe, do you have anything else you want to add? Did you want to do your shameless? Oh, you can follow me on Instagram at underscore Joe Pew underscore. And as always, please like, rate, review on wherever you listen to podcasts. And we always appreciate any kind of feedback you can give us. I'm Steve, and this is Joe with Classic Gaming Brothers. And that's that's it for the night. You guys have a good one. Bye-bye.